0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tuesday's edition of Locked on Seminoles. Sorry I wasn't here yesterday, but I know, like Allstate, you were in great hands. But I'm here today, I'm Max, that's Drake, and together we are two of the three that bring you Locked on Seminoles every single day of the week. We've been covering this team for, I don't know, 18 months now. In fact, we just had our one-year anniversary of officially being Locked on Seminoles, and we are here to talk about the things we need a break from. It's spring break after, uh, I think, a Sunday walkthrough or a Saturday walkthrough. The team is going on spring break, and we're going to talk about what we need a break from seeing this team do on the field if we're going to make it through this season. After that, we're going to get into two for Tuesdays. We're going to talk about the most important duo on the offense and the most important duo on the defense. Drake, roll the video, and let's dive in.
1: It's good hands, Max. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Folks, upgrades to insurance company slogans aside, thank you for being here today. As we said, I'm Max, at Moody 17 on Twitter. That is at Tally underscore underscore Drake. We love that you are here because we get to talk about the team because you tune in and make us your first listen each and every day. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, like the video, and turn on notifications. If you are on the podcast, a five-star review never hurt anyone, so tell us what you love about the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero stat hero is changing the way you play fantasy sports dozens of house-based games to play daily no sharks no funky props just your skill versus the lineups you choose sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on well let's get locked on this episode drezzy today the team is on spring break as we're talking which i don't think we need to get into that but I, why don't they just do why a week of practice and then spring break why not you know, doesn't that seem a little I weird? Not.
1: It's dumb, man. You're going
0: to you why know? not make them stay? Like in high school, our baseball team, I remember, all stayed for spring break because they had some important tournament. It's a little bizarre.
1: Um, I mean, I think because you're not supposed to treat student athletes differently than the rest of the student body. So, like, if you can't, if you're not giving them a break during spring break, you're treating them differently than the rest of the student population. And that, like, I know the NCAA has got a lot of flack for certain things, but like, that's one thing you don't want to be doing.
0: Is the, is the end of the semester the constraint then? Like, can they not run four straight weeks after spring break without believe, running into exams? Maybe?
1: I believe so, but I'm going to have to double check on that to give you the right answer. Because on the top of my head, I don't remember.
0: I don't know. It doesn't matter. But let's talk about what we need a break from with this team. Drake, what do you need a break from seeing on the field from this football team in 2022?
1: Is it on the field or is it kind of do the fan
0: base either way? Oh, or? you could do either one. We had brainstormed a potential of both and I just swung with on the field, but what do you need to break from, from this fan base?
1: Well, I mean, on the field, I think the one thing that I need to see, and I'm going to look at the coaching staff in general is just perplexing coaching decisions. And I say that primarily is just like, for some reason, I always feel that there's one moment in each game last year that we could point to, where we feel that the moment was too big for Mike Norvell. And at the moment, I don't mean the game. I think the moment if it is him being a a head coach at the Power Five level, I remember we saw the uh, the time the timeout that he should not have taken probably a little bit earlier for Fitzgerald in the Notre Dame game in OT. Then you oh, yeah. see the declined holding penalty. I think it was NC State where he probably should have taken that. If we're totally being that. here. So like, there's there's a moment in each and every single game where like I'm like Mike, why? It, it's and it's not because like it's a bad decision, but it's more like after the game is over, it's like why did you do that? You can't really explain to me in. The best of certain terms, like why you went that route. So, for on the field, primarily, I need to see an improvement in in game decisions by the coaching staff.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, a good example of that, too, even is Jacksonville State. Remember, they went for it on fourth and one on their own goal line. It's like, just kick a field goal there. I, that was what we talked about, Jacksonville State, where it's like half the time they were playing Jacksonville State, half the time they were pretending they were playing Alabama. And it's like, don't throw a fade on fourth and goal against an FCS team. Just, If you're going to go for it, just run up the middle or take your points and like, you know, get out of there. But anyway, I think for me, what what I need to break from from the fan base is this whole idea that if he isn't Heisman winning caliber, Jordan Travis is not a good quarterback. It's like Jordan Travis has become such a scapegoat for the woes of this program. And like anything he does that isn't perfect, it's like, ah, that's why we're bad. And guys, I hate to break it to you, but you put Joe Burrow on this team last year, you probably win eight games. You maybe sneak a ninth one in there. But with the offensive line that was in front of, actually, probably don't because he probably tears his ACL in the fifth game. But, you know, with the offensive line in front of him and the receivers you had last year, there was not a quarterback, including the big man upstairs himself, that was going to take you to an ACC championship last year. We were so close so many times because of Jordan Travis, but then we also just, we didn't have the team to go the distance. And what I need a break from on the field is, I need a break from one yard or two yard first down plays. Just just be more successful on first down. And what, what perplexes me is that there were so many times last year where their third down conversion rate wasn't nearly as bad as it should have been. What I mean by that is if you looked at their average start on third down and then their third down conversion rate, you wouldn't think you were looking at the same team stats. So if you can get all these third and eights and third and nines, why can't you just get three and four yards on first and second downs instead of making yourself get in third nine? So I need I need a break from that.
1: I mean i I can kind of get one of that. My only thing is though with Jordan Travis, I don't want people to confuse that. Even though Jordan Travis is the only option on the on the team, I also don't think that he to me he's not a top five ACC quarterback. To me, I probably put him at eight or seven in my personal Jeez, opinion. That's it. Yeah, that's, and in the and, ACC. I mean, I think, well, one, the ACC already has a, a good plethora of QBs right now. We we're
0: going to say top five in the nation, eighth in the AC. There's only 12 teams, or but there's 14. But there's only 12 worth talking about. You got Duke and Syracuse. You got seven quarterbacks in the ACC ahead of him. Yeah,
1: probably. Who? Devin Leary. Okay. Bill Dracovic. No. Brandon Armstrong.
0: Dracovic has worse injury problems Sam than Jordan Hartman. Travis. And when he does get hurt, he can't play through it. Djokovic is not a better quarterback than Travis. Maybe a better, a better, th- maybe a better thrower of the ball in drills, but he's not a better quarterback.
1: I mean, he was only hurt
0: for last season. You would so, rather have... He didn't play the season before. That's why he had to transfer. He, so played, he have,
1: played last season at Boston College.
0: No, no, I'm saying the year before he didn't play. That's why he had to transfer to Boston College from Notre Dame. He's been at Boston College for two years. Did he? Yeah. yeah I'll give you that. What were his stats the year before? I don't like remember him being anything. Didn't he have Anthony, didn't
1: he have Anthony Brown in front of him the year before that then? Uh, Anthony Brown, I think, transferred in when he came in.
0: 2020, yeah, he came to Boston College. He played 10 games, 336 passing yards, 61%. All right, but all right. So last year, he threw 96 times, had a 54% completion percentage, 900 yards, what, seven touchdowns to four picks. Dude, you're telling me you'd rather have that on our team last year than Jordan Travis? 100%. 50, 54% completion on only 96 throws, and he's seven for four in
1: touchdowns to picks. He did did that with a broken wrist.
0: Jordan breaks everything and he's still out there. Meanwhile, you got Travis out there. Like, are you like, once you account for the legs, I don't even know how this is a competition. And if he broke his wrist behind that offensive line for Boston college, what the hell is going to happen to him behind our offensive line? 1500 yards, 15 touchdowns and six interceptions percentage wise. It's better longevity. It's better. There's literally no he was measure hurt by once
1: which... George has been hurt every single year he's been in college football. He was hurt at Louisville, he was hurt the Hell, first season against Tigers, he was little hurt little last little. year, and he was hurt the this past year, too. Yeah,
0: but he's also got to do so much that we need his legs, and he still comes back in. So, whether he powers through his hurt. all right, whatever, we can agree. Same minds can differ. I don't think Phil Dracovich, I, I would not at this moment replace Jordan Travis with Phil Dracovich. Um, I just think no. Dude, Sam Hartman's a fun story. It's cool to watch how he rallies his team, but Sam Hartman's not legit. He's just not. I, there's just some, I'm with Dave on this. I know this is a very Dave take, but like, there's just something Forest. about Hartman. <laughs> yeah, like there's something about he gets the Wake Forests of the world vibing, and they're would, all would you, going. Would,
1: would you feel different if he was on a different team? <laughs> I don't Probably, think he'd right. Be, yeah, maybe. I mean, because if we're being honest, like he's also Nick lost
0: his up. own starting job on his team multiple times, like. Well, Jamie He's not Newman, even Wake Forest's first option. Well, He's Jamie, also
1: never had – hang on. I know, Jamie Newman. Proceed. Yeah, Jimmy, but, Jamie Newman, he lost the job to him who transferred to Georgia to be their starting QB until COVID hit.
0: Fair, but okay, he didn't end up starting to Georgia. And then also, Sam Hartman's never completed over 60% of his passes. He throws the so, ball more. Well, he throws the ball a lot. 4,200 yards last year, which also – I think I looked this up at one point. Well, it's about like seventh or eighth in the nation overall yards. So, yeah, I guess statistically is up there, but like it's –
1: I don't know, it's, it's more just I'm not – if you don't throw the ball, I guess, Ugh. around 25 times a game, and also your completion percentage is around six, 60, doesn't mean that much to me, especially when on only three games last year, you only it's had 200 yard total yards. So it's like those, that completion percentage I think is really – it's easily, easily inflated to show how much of like an improvement Jordan Travis made. Did he make an improvement? Substantially. I think he was much better this past season than the year before. So, like that's yeah. I mean more like I just think we got to be. I want the fan base to be a little more just like, hey, Jordan is our best option we have on the team. That is correct. He's no one's arguing old. that. Primarily, but because but mainly also is because there is no other option right now that we know certifiably is a better option for the team. So I think we just need to, yeah, don't set ourselves up for failure. Or just don't set up ourselves for, up for you know, comparing him to, you know, Heisman hopefuls a years past. You know what I'm I saying? I don't
0: compare him to Heisman hopefuls. My point is I I'm going one further than you is like, that's the narrative. It like, Oh, he's the best we've got. And he's all we can do. I'm not going to blame him for the offense that we run. Okay. That's not up to him because we're not running. Like the only reason we get half the offense we do is because his legs are so much of a threat that these piss poor wide receivers are able to get some kind of open. Mike Norvell throws a ton of screen passes. Yes. You should have a higher completion percentage under him. But say there's seven quarterbacks in the ACC, like that was three you just named. That was Devin Leary, Mm -hmm. Phil Djokovic, which there is a very good argument that he's not better or that's not better than Jordan Travis. Even if we differ in our conclusion, there's still a lot of evidence Mm -hmm. in both directions. And then freaking Sam Hartman, who I just looked it up, You saw me mouth seventh, was the seventh leading passer in the nation last year. Yeah, that's three guys. That's not eighth in the ACC.
1: Well, let me finish. Fourth. Okay, keep going. Brandon Armstrong.
0: Who the hell is Brandon
1: Armstrong? Brennan, quarterback for Virginia. Oh, give me a break. Malik
0: Cunningham. Yeah, okay, I'll give you Malik Cunningham. In fact, Malik Cunningham should be like third on your list. What are you talking about?
1: I'm no, I'm not. I'm not saying in order. I'm just saying like who I have in front of him. But Brandon, Malik Armstrong. Cunningham honestly, probably is the best QB. Brendan, how do you C- spell his name? I can't even. Brennan, find. like, like, like Brennan from Step Brothers. Like Brennan Huff, <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke. That's six.
0: Tyler Van Dyke has higher potential. I don't think he's a better quarterback yet. I think he could be. I think Tyler Van Dyke's got to take a step forward this year and and we don't know we can't we can't pencil in a step forward you know what I mean like I don't don't, know if that's fair also this guy Brennan Armstrong hmm. okay so he was fourth in the nation in passing yards last year I had no idea this guy existed that shows how much I know about our conference fourth in the nation passing yards last year so that's pretty nuts our conference last year had two of the top 10 passers in the country
1: and this is where me and you differ. I think D.J. Ongalele, if like to me, I'm still holding out that this year could be the year he breaks out.
0: Yeah, D.J.'s not good. I don't know. So, to me, I don't want to go down the ratings in the, in the ACC, but because um, that's not the point of this episode. But the only ones in there I'm going to give you – I mean, I guess this guy, Brennan Armstrong, you know, the whatever, 31 touchdowns to 10 picks, 4,400 yards. I can't argue with that. Sure. Didn't know you existed, but good for you. Um, Cunningham, probably, although I think he – I don't know if you swap Malik Cunningham and Jordan Travis on teams, which is like ironic because Jordan transferred from Louisville, if they have super different seasons. Like I just, I just think their team was a little better this year, a little more complete, but Cunningham's good. And then, yeah, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke,
1: I don't know. I did preface my ranking by saying that the ACC is very, very loaded with very good quarterbacks. So you shouldn't be that offended by me saying that Jordan Travis is seven.
0: I'm not not offended. I just don't think I think if I had time to sit down with a pen and paper and write some arguments out, I'm probably putting him at third or fourth, even in that list. Because like I think Van Dyke could take a step forward, but so could Travis. Right. So if we give them both equal improvement from last year, I think you got Travis still ahead of him. But anyway, that's uh, that's what I need to break from is this whole idea that like we're just settling for Travis and it's all we can do. I think he's a pretty good quarterback and I think people will see that this year just like last year I said he was at least going to be your starter over Milton and no one believed me and people said I was crazy. But, but folks, if people are telling you you're crazy and the brackets are not going your way and things just aren't working out for you in the gaming space, well, Stat Hero is here to change it up, to make the game a little crazy if you will. StatHero does an NCAA single-game pick'em that pits star players against each other. It's an amazing hybrid between fantasy sports and gambling. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through, and you can take on those lineups head-to-head with the lineup you come up with. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players you choose. It's the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. StatHero is the sleek and simple gameplay that will have you playing in minutes and it is what daily fantasy was meant to be so go to stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100 deposit match that's stathero.com slash locked on using promo code locked on it's a lot of locked ons for a 100 match stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on terms and conditions apply all right, so all all discussions aside, all the things we need to break from are out of the way. Let's talk two for Tuesday. Drake, let's get right to it. Who do you think is the most important duo on the defensive side of the ball this year?
1: Do you want me to go first? Do you want to do two that you, you know? You go first. You have whoever you want. You can steal. Okay. I think the most important duo probably on the defensive side of the ball is the gruesome twos and right in the middle. I think it's going to be Tatum Bethune. I think it's going to be Kalen Deloach and primarily because Kalen Deloach was obviously our best coverage linebacker last year. He was arguably our best linebacker overall last year. Amari Gaynor, he improved, but there's still some, you know, coverages we have with him. We have Brendan Gant and Jadarius Green McKnight, who are both being converted from safety, but Tatum Bethune apparently already is like lights out of practice. He's rocking a black Jersey. I think in the first week of tour of duty, which is something huge. And that's something we haven't seen since Jermaine Johnson last year. And we saw, uh, that turned out he brings over 115 tackles, about I think 12 sacks, sacks from the past year. So to me, Tatum Bethune is going to be probably a leader alongside Kalen Deloach to guard up the middle. So to me, it's going to be Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach. Yeah, and I'm
0: staying right in the middle. My uh, my gruesome twosome is going to be the Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper duo. I mean, we're already hearing that Coop is Coop, I mean, he's a big dude, whatever. Um, he's great. And then Fabian Lovett, all reports are that he is taking another step forward. I mean, Fabian came in what three years ago, right before the COVID or two years ago, before the COVID year. And in 2020, he was kind of, I, I don't want to say average, but he was average. I mean, it wasn't wasn't anything special. And then we kind of heard last year he was taking a step forward and we really saw that emerge last year. And now we're hearing, okay, everyone I talk to says he's doing it again, he's improving again. And I think when you have him and Coop in the middle, my only concern is can these young guys give them enough relief so they're not playing. 60 snaps a game that's tough for the big boys they could do it but you don't want them to have to do it so other than that that is my most important duo i think if you have a strong middle and you have a co- i mean we've got what a decent rotation of edge setters right we've got like dennis briggs over there we're hearing decent things about verse um who, who else we do got we, have?
1: we got question fuller also fuller. darren mcclendon too is apparently yeah. putting a warfare camp which those are two kids that just named that i don't think any of us actually thought we're going to be contributing members of the Florida state football program. And then we still have the young guns, like a Joshua farmer is another one who he, that kid has put on so much size in a year and a half. That kid is basically going to be your Fox, your, your Fox setter. He's going to be your Keir Thomas going from the inside into the outside. And then you also have Sean Bray Jackson, Patrick Payton, George Wilson, Jr. Like those are kids. I'm very Sweet excited games. to actually be seeing. So like, are we, our defensive end depth is where it should be. I'm not going to say it's great. Cause I, I would hope to, you know, we grab some more, you know, during the his next recruiting class, maybe grab one more transfer out there. But I do think the defensive line overall is in a much better position than it was starting up last year.
0: Yeah, look, I think Jermaine Johnson will be remembered as one of the great Seminoles of all time, which is mind-blowing because he played one season. But it's keeping in mind when he played is, is what's going to contribute to the memory, like how how well and how fondly he's remembered. Because you should have a Jermaine like every year. And don't look at me, guys, and say, oh, you can't have someone like that. He was like one of the nation's leaders in sacks. Yeah, y'all also want a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback every year. I'm allowed to want this. I do. You should have like a Brian Burns or or a Jermaine Johnson. Like those kind of guys are just, you need one of those. Even if he's not leading the nation, you need someone every year that you know, when that quarterback is holding that ball a little too long, you're about to hear his number called. And that's like what we, that's what we had with Brian Burns. And that's what we had with Josh Sweat. And that's what we like. Finally recaptured with with um, I almost said verse. I hope it's verse going forward. But that w- that's what we kind of recaptured with Jermaine Johnson last year was like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. You're like that quarterback, dude. We're about to hear. You know, we're about to hear eleven's number. You know, and I think that a big part of that was you were getting such a solid team rush of Coop and Love it up the middle. Uh, other big boys rotating in and then you were getting a solid edge set on the other side, right? One guy can't do it all on his own. So I think Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett are going to be very critical, not just to the success of stopping the run, but also the past rushing success of those guys on the outside, because if the middle is open and quarterbacks can just step up in the pocket, the guy on the outside can only do so much. So yeah. I want to go over. Oh, sorry. Cut.
1: Oh, no, no, I'm saying like I'm I am agreeing with you with that, and also like them up front will make it a lot easier for the linebackers to actually cover the middle, and that's something that's been sort of a, a was it a malignment that we've had actually for the past several seasons, like you know on the side of the ball, and then with me these these defensive alignment, typically they're not supposed to like you know be that much of a threat up the middle with sacks. I think these two actually provide sort of not the actual you know automatic you know win getting a sack, but like the threat that that potentially can happen that we haven't seen since not saying the same caliber, but an Eddie Goldman team in journal. you know you have two monsters up the middle. So, like to me, because I love baby and Love it. And yeah. I think Robert Cooper has gotten better each and every single year after you know being almost 400 pounds. And now I think he's around 310, 325. And he's a kid's like a dancing bear, man. A kid's nimble, kids big, and that kid definitely clogs up all the holes in front of him.
0: Yeah, I mean, and again, we just it's interesting, right? Because we were so excited for the D-line two years ago. And like Big Marv just let us down so much. I think um. One guy I talked to put it perfectly. They were like, dude, he's a turnstile. He just doesn't have any legs. He stands straight up, lets himself get spun around. And it was like, well, if that's happening to him and he's still playing out there all the time, these guys behind him can't be that great. But then last year, Fabian really stepped up and we saw Coop like, oh, he can keep his weight in check. So it was a nice surprise. And I'm just hoping that they like, you know, sometimes if something is so good because you weren't expecting it to be good, you can really have that sophomore slump, so to speak. And I'm really hopeful that doesn't happen. And I'm also confident it won't. Now, before we go over to offense, folks, y'all know today's Selection Sunday. If you're a Florida State basketball fan, you'd probably rather forget that today, as I record this, was Selection Sunday. But that's okay. It's not about one team. It's about the brackets. And this year, we are using runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. Those are both really fun in their own way. They have their options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All the stuff you won't find at like an ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness, magic, and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you will ever find. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because we are setting up brackets ourselves, and there's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us and the rest of the Locked On Network for a shot at a cash prize of up to $1,800, well, you got to join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize of up to $1,800 and play against me, Drake, and the rest of the Locked On Network. And once you've made your bracket and you're looking at individual games, you're probably going to want to put some action on those two. So the only place to do that is bet online. Go to betonline.net. That will give you all the info you need. And then make sure you go to bet online to place your bets. Make your account now. It's free to make. And when you use promo code Locked On at bet online, they will give you a welcome bonus, 50% of your deposit. Throw in 100, they'll give you an extra 50 on top of it. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, man. Continuing the two for Tuesday trend. Most important duo on offense. Who are you going with there?
1: I think the most important duo on offense, I'm probably going to go with Cameron McDonald. Interesting. And and I think another, another pick will probably be whoever is tied into. And I think that primarily is going to come down to maybe Johnny Wilson going in that slot. But from some, from, one of the things that we see a lot of like Cam McDonald actually in space is really good with his hands. And we don't see a lot of him actually being utilized overall in a majority of, you know, the offensive play call in the past, you know, two seasons under Mike Norvell, even though you see actually at Memphis, he does like to utilize his tight ends a lot, whether it be for blocking or whether it be actually catching in space. We saw Jordan Wilson for crying out loud, caught a you know, decent amount of balls last year, right? When he wasn't dropping them. But. To me, it is best. So Cam McDonald to me is someone that needs to step up and actually finally live up to his his high four star, almost five star building from California, and then what tied into because I think Johnny Wilson might eventually go there because he's going to be a matchup nightmare for every linebacking core actually in the conference, and if it's not him, it's going to come down to either a Jackson West who's a second year coming in here, or maybe sneaky player to actually get a lot of, get a lot of burn as a freshman, maybe Brian Courtney, the kid that you know was a super athletic uh, quarterback out of Virginia who is someone that we need that like, we just need to have more options or more weapons available because the weapons that we've had with a Keyshawn Helton, with a Jordan Young, or Ontario Wilson. While both the two form, uh, former names were improved last year, they weren't sustainable weapons overall in the offense. And if we want to take the next step as a decent football team, we actually do need to be a threat in the passing game. So for me, it's Cam McDonald and whoever's tied in two.
0: You know, Cam McDonald was second on the team in passing to, or uh, receiving touchdowns last year. Really? He had two. And that was good for second on the team. So yeah, we, we need to be more of a threat in the passing game this year. I completely agree. In fact, my two most important duos on the team, other than Jordan's left leg, his right leg, my most important duo uh, on this team is is going to be Ja'Kai Douglas and Treshawn Ward. And I know that seems like, how are they a duo? Because I think that they both have potential to be your best pass catchers out of the backfield and in gadgety ways, right? Whether it's lining up in that squat back H back position, going in motion, whether it's coming from the true halfback or lining up at a really narrow slot, motioning into the wheel route. They're your wheel route guys. And I think that if they can both do what they managed to do last year and kind of be those big play threats more so Jakai, right? Like he's more of that downfield, big play threat. Whereas I think that Sean is more of a maybe angle route over the middle catch it. But if he breaks one tackle, it's a 60 yard gain. If they can be effective I don't want to say dump off because those like that's where the ball's intended to go, but routes that you typically wouldn't see as your X route that are intended to go for big plays. I think we could have a really successful uh, season because those are the type of games that shift plays. I mean, look at Miami, right? That's your t- that Jaukai Douglas pass when we're on our twenty. That's the whole game right there. Those kind of plays can literally flip the field in a moment when you need them, and if we can find those three or four times in one score games that might be three or four games that you win that you could have lost otherwise so it's a bit of a stretch to call them a twofer but it's making the point overall that we've got to have big play threats this year that can really go deep or we're going to struggle because like we said this team is not a three down, three yards in a cloud of dust type team this is a team where it's like jab 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 and then they've got to hit you with a haymaker it's just the dna of a mike norvell team i think and it's got to be something that this team can put into practice. And I think Jakai Douglas and Trashawn Ward, in a variety of ways, are going to be two guys that can do that for you.
1: I'm surprised you didn't pick DJ Williams and Trashawn Ward because I know how much you, you love DJ Williams. Yeah. D.J. Williams. Like- yeah. Yeah. I would have
0: if I was just looking at the running game because I do think having two backs, but I'm not, you know, as pessimistic as I am about him, I think it's kind of like how people are about their little brother. Like, I haven't given up on Lawrence Toa, Philly, yet either. Like, I don't know. I'm a little disappointed by his size that he can't seem to gain any weight, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's a two man backfield this year. I've also heard like from everywhere, right? Podcasts. Sorry, no offense, fans. I don't like really pay attention to what someone told you when you post on message boards, but people that, but even those guys are saying it. People that I talk to around the program, everyone's saying that Benson's actually coming along. Uh, I think that to say he's like an NFL talent or anything like that's a little bit premature. over the top and premature, but I think that I've heard nothing but good things. So that's four guys you have in your backfield with Trashawn Ward, DJ Williams, um, uh, uh, sorry, Lawrence Toa, Philly, and Benson that. All could be good backs for you with Trayshawn Ward definitely being number one. And I think you'll need that other three deep roster as runners to take some pressure off of Trayshawn and let him hit those passing routes out of the backfield because we saw him be good at it last year and hopefully he'll be good at it this
1: year. I can get behind that. I mean, like you got the four horsemen of the runpocalypse back there. And I think Benson, I I, I knew you'd enjoy that. With Benson, I mean, he's the fastest kid in the team apparently at 215 and that if you see, like, his, like, you know, recovery-wise, that, that knee looks, like you're saying, you know, I think a week ago, Martin Madison has made a tremendous jump from what we remember. Like, an ACL back in the day was literally, a, like, a basically a death sentence to your athletic career nowadays. Yeah, but, good. like, you might you might just come back even better. It's like Tom and John in baseball, too, where you can throw faster. Yeah. So, to me, like, the Jagai Douglas pick I like a lot. Lawrence Toffoli, I'm a little more out on him, mainly, because I did, is the weight thing. And I just – I he just seems like someone that when he gets hit, he's going he's gonna to hit, hurt him a lot more, kind of like how JT – is like kind of a similar frame too as well that's why with aj delphi when i see that I'm like okay he's 225 230 at the, a little taller than jt he might have the durability like a little better than him so we'll see but i do think that jakai douglas is integral to this team for his big playability like you said with miami or maybe you know you're right lt9 he had that big that amazing catch and run and not tackle actually against clemson so maybe so, we'll yeah. have to see that so butt bounce
0: yeah and the, other, the last thing I'll say about Ja'Kai Douglas the reason I'm I'm pretty high on him is last year he was able to do that when we didn't have another threat to go deep the idea is that this year you'll have three or four receivers that can be threats to go deep so maybe when he's running that wheel route you can actually have legitimate vertical threats clearing out space for him and get him even more open I also just like his size I mean he weighed into the camp I think at 205 or 210 and he's He's thicker than people give him credit for. Like, he's not Lawrence Toefeli where he's a quick scat back. He's actually kind of a built dude. So I'm looking forward to what he can do this year. And, folks, I am looking forward to doing the rest of the offseason with you. I'm looking forward to doing the season with you. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you tomorrow. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this was Tuesday's edition of Locked on Seminoles. See y'all tomorrow.
1: Take care,
0: everybody.